Never show any sign of weakness. Always go for the throat. Buy low, sell high. Fear, that's the other guy's problem. Biz Talk Radio is proud to bring you Investor's Edge with Gary Kulpom. Straight talk about you and your money. You can reach Gary now at 877-747-EDGE. That's 877-747-3343. Here's your host, Gary Kulpom. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Kulpom, who's out today. Today is Friday, March 15, 2019. We have a great show for you tonight. I want to thank you very much for being here. This is the eyes of March, like Shakespeare used to say. Um, before we jump into the show tonight, just as a quick refresher to do some housekeeping. As you know, this is a show about you and your money and all points in between. Just as a quick reminder, if you don't get the show in your city, you can go to GaryK.com and listen live or archive. We are live Monday through Friday, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Also on GaryK.com, you can follow Gary on Twitter by just pressing the button. You can subscribe to Gary's morning notes, read his posts that he posts throughout the day, and uh, the morning notes will be sent directly to your inbox. You may email Gary and uh, ask about his services and also subscribe to the fantastic Conviction Leaders newsletter that he writes or that he contributes to. And there's a big banner right there on GaryK.com if you're interested in subscribing. I strongly recommend it. It's a very good way of really getting Gary's head and seeing what he sees in real time. He publishes publishes, uh, reports quite often. I mean, there's a weekly report and then there's intra-week updates on a Wednesday and then he publishes more based on market action. So it's a good way of keeping your finger on the pulse of the market. A few things, uh, I guess an agenda for tonight, if you will, for the show. First, we'll uh, briefly touch on the market wrap. I'll give you a week in review instead of a day in review because today's Friday. And the end of the week for me is a big important day because it actually closes out the weekly bar. And I'll get into that in a second. Then we'll talk about news and then how markets react to the news and give you a little bit of an insight about the bullish undertone or what Warren Buffett calls the great American tailwind. I have a little slight play on that. I call it the bullish tailwind, what we're seeing on Wall Street. And then we'll talk some stocks, sectors, and of course, uh, a whole lot more. But with further ado, let's jump right into it. It's time for the market wrap. Let's see what happened today on Wall Street. It was an update. I'm not going to go into the specifics of the day, but I want to do a weekly wrap because today's Friday. Well, let's before we talk about this week, it was an up week on Wall Street across the board. Let's talk about last week and put this week in proper context so we know what's been going on. So if you step back and look at the last seven, eight, nine, ten weeks now for the last two and a half, three months since the end of December, remember the pivotal day, the low of this this move, excuse me, came on December 24th, which was that short day, Christmas Eve, and then the very next day, the 25th, it was closed for Christmas, and the 26th, it was up a thousand points, and boom, just hasn't looked back. So last week, after a very big rally, we're extremely overbought. You know, we spoke about that on the show. Gary's mentioned that at length. You get a pullback after the weekly, you know, just weaker tepid jobs report comes out. Okay, what happens from a technical standpoint? Well, what happens is you're overbought and you pull back and you pull back right into support. And for that matter, it's about the 200-day moving average, just undercut it for some of the, the indices that we follow, and some of them held it. The Dow was above it. Uh, this is going back to last Friday now. And then all of a sudden, Monday and Tuesday of this week, you know, we get a brand new week, and boom, really before the end of the day on Friday, you saw the bull show up. So a few hours after that week, job support, right into support, on cue almost. If not, you broke a little bit below that 200-day, right away the buyers show up and just start sending stocks higher. Gary had put out a note saying Friday was a near-term low or could be a turning point the selling had ended or it appeared that it had ended, and of course, it's gone straight up since. So now that the week is over, it's another positive week on Wall Street. The major indices not only tested support last week, but it was defended. And that's a key point, ladies and gentlemen. It's one thing to be extended and pull back and then test support and then futz around a little bit, break support, go up a little bit, down a little bit, you know, and just not have clear direction. But when you test support for literally a few hours, not even a day or two, just a few hours, and then you get the buyers that show up and the buying demand just buy, 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 buy in the face of negative news, mind you, which was that weak job support, that tells you everything you know about the structure, the tenure, the undertone, or just the tone of the market. And right now, without, you know, with no question, what we're seeing in real time, ever since that December 24th, you know, waterfall, that low, the 26th was a big rally, is we're seeing 
by a strong bullish tailwind, if you will. Warren Buffett has his annual letter, and I'm not going to go too much into that, but it's available online. You can Google it if you want to read it. I strongly recommend everybody read it. He's the best investor in the history of the world. Why not read what the guy has to say at the very least? <laughs> Whether you're a trader or investor, it doesn't matter. It's good to know. But um, be that as it may, from where we are, he puts out his whole letter, and at the very end of it, he talks about the fact that he was very lucky or fortunate, him and Charlie, his partner, to be alive over the last 77 years and trading or investing rather for those, that period of time. And what he talks about, or he calls it the American tailwind. And he goes, it would be beyond arrogance to attribute his massive success to his own factors alone. He attributes it to something greater than him, which was a just massive, explosive growth we've seen in the U.S. economy and the U.S. stock markets over the last 77 years, which is his entire time that he's been trading. So he also actually steps back and says, if you look back 77 years before that, you go back and you can even see even stronger growth. But again, just a massive, bullish upward force that's called the American tailwind. So I'm going to take that American tailwind and for the market and just call it bullish tailwind, where you see times where no matter what happens, like in the fourth quarter of, of 18, it was a negative or bearish tailwind, if you will. It just all news was being sold off, right? In 2008, those that were around and remember, just about everything was just set down, 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 down. 2000 to 2002, same thing. 87, same thing. And you go back and throughout history. So you have windows is what David Tepper, another billionaire and trader called, investor calls it, where these windows open up where the market gets very bullish and or very bearish. And then sometimes it's just there's no direction. And that could happen for a long period of time where it just moves sideways, digest the move, up or down. Like 2011, for example, was just a flat year. Nothing happened. 2012, the first half of it, nothing really happened. And all of a sudden, boom, it took off. After a nice strong rally, it was due to QE3. But after the strong rally, at the end of 14, really 15, you move sideways a little bit early into early 16. It was a little bit of a downtrend. And then all of a sudden, boom, off again, and it rallied, and it rallied really strong for the next uh, really two years or so. So keep that in mind that the tailwind changes. On a trading standpoint, you look at shorter, shorter terms. You're not looking at 77 years. So we look at daily charts. We look at weekly. Some people look at intraday. Some people look at monthly, quarterly, annual charts. You know, It depends on your time frame, of course. But for now, suffice it to say that we're, since December 26th, we're in a very strong upward bullish tailwind. You have the jobs report was lousy, market rallies. This week, a slew of economic data was lousy. What happens? Market rallies. When you see the market rally on bullish data, that's great. When you see it rally on bear, what would be perceived as bearish data, great. That tells you that the bullish tailwind is there. And the opposite is also true. When you just see sellers show up on bullish news, the market falls, bearish news, the market falls, no news, the market falls, and clearly there's a bearish tailwind. So just keep that in mind as you look at the market. Always try to figure out the state of the market is what I call it, in addition to the tailwind. You know, what's the market state? Are you in an uptrend, a downtrend, sideways, and who's really in control? So when you see the market be very, very extended, a very strong rally, and then go down for a few hours, test support and bounce, that tells you everything you need to know about where the market is. Now, from a resistance standpoint, go back and look on a daily chart. Go back to November size in the S&P 2815. You're above there now, 2816, 17, 20 in that range. It looks like this is a good week because we're above it. Let's see it close above it. Last week, it ran to resistance right around the 2816 level and sold off. Now it's above it. Let's see if it holds, and we'll see what happens into next week. It could get above it for a few days and then fail, but you really want to see it hold and then go keep going higher. So those highs from back in November were near-term resistance, and now it looks like we're getting back above there. And let's hopefully, for the bulls, you want to see it stay above there and continue to rally. The next level of resistance to watch would be go back to uh, 2018's highs. I mean, that's the next level to watch. Otherwise, the market's trending higher. It's just a good way of wording it. I mean, you've got the housing starts fell. You have this economic data point lousy. Whatever the case may be, market moves up. Remember, the Fed did a 180. That's the bullish tailwind if you want. Central banks, right? Other central banks, easy money. That easy money is so strong. It is so powerful. Because it drives the direction of the market. Everybody follows the Fed and other central banks. And they're made it very clear they're in easy money stance. Up next, we'll talk a whole lot more. I'm Adam Sarhan, and this is the one and only Investor's Edge.
It's time to switch on the integrator units and get the brain cells working. You're listening to... Hey, this promises to be fun. Investor's Edge. The last bastion of quality programming. With Gary Caldbaum. It doesn't get better than this. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Caldbaum. In case you're just joining us, we spent the first part of the show going over the major indices... We spoke about the fact that the market is strong, and I spoke about the uh, bullish tailwind that we're seeing. Warren Buffett calls it the great American tailwind over the last 77 years. But within the 77-year periods, you get bullish periods and bearish periods and different tailwinds. But right now, there's no question that the fact that the market refuses to fall in a significant fashion over the last 7, 8, 9, 10 weeks tells you just about everything you need to know. The big news this week, the big blow-up on the downside was Boeing. We're all familiar with what's going on there. You had two deadly crashes in five months. People worry. And then, of course, a lot of the new jets that they sold, the 737s, maxes are grounded. They're not allowed to fly anymore just about all over the world. So what's happening is people are concerned that it's going to be grounded for a long time. Boeing is one of the strongest stocks in the, in the Dow, and Dow has had a big rally largely due to Boeing and, and the strength of other stocks. But over the last few months, you know, Boeing has been very, very strong, very strong, really a few years if you go back and go further. And then this week, of course, happened, and you see some big, big, big selling in Boeing, ticker symbols BA. That's Boy Adam. So what happened was you saw some downward pressure on the Dow because largely due to Boeing. Now, when you get that, you would expect the Dow to be down for the week or you'd expect it to be down significantly. But instead, it bounces and it bounces almost perfectly off of support, which is a 200-day moving average. When you have a chance, you can take a look at DIA, which is an ETF that tracks the Dow, and look at it. Granted, Dow's 30 stocks, so Boeing's just one of 30, but that just tells you how strong the market is. And now Boeing itself, clearly the stock is down and down big. No one knows how bad this will be. There's some news coming out that a software upgrade could help solve this problem, hopefully for everyone's sake or anyone that flies. Or even if you don't fly, you don't have a Boeing Max plane flying over your head, and then God forbid something, another accident happens. But hopefully for everyone's sake, they're going to find a fix, and it'll be resolved. And not just the stock will go back up, but more importantly, and for everyone in the world, the uh, planes will stop falling out of the sky. So having said that, you have a situation now where there's some, a glimmer of hope. But the stock itself is down considerably. It went from 450-ish down to 370 in a matter of days. When you get a situation, ladies and gentlemen, where you get a big company like Boeing, or remember years ago, we had this BP oil spill, or Exxon, if you remember the oil spill way back when, or Volkswagen with the carbon emissions negative headline, or, 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 or. It depends on the scandal, it depends on the news, it depends on whether it's temporary or it's permanent, what the variable, you know, there's a lot going on. But all things being equal, when you see a stock fall, and it's a situation that's not the end of the world, meaning it's not accounting fraud, it's not a material change in the way the company does business, you know, it's not a massive, massive, massive thing that's going to cripple the company. A lot of people get scared and they sell. And the short-term traders by all means sell, and I'm not giving any advice here, but long-term investors tend to be patient. And after the storm passes, they step in and they buy these companies at discounted prices because of the quote-unquote negative headline that came out, whatever it may be. It could be Caterpillar that does a lot of business in China. And, of course, we know what's going on this week with it, which is another news segue that I'm going to get to in a second, with China, right? The, head, the premier of China and President Trump were going to meet at the end of March, trying to push the meeting back. They want to make it more official, and it's not happening until April. If it, that news broke in the fourth quarter, back when there was a negative or a bearish tailwind, if you will, what would have happened? That would have been down a couple hundred points in its sleep. Well, the other big news event that happened this week was China decided not to meet President Trump in Mar-a-Lago at the end of this month, they're going to meet next month, or hopefully next month, but they're just the meeting's off, or it's delayed. Instead of going down, the market rallies. And that, ladies and gentlemen, tells me everything I know about the way the market is trending. Who's in control? 
the bulls or the bears? You know, Jesse Livermore talked about this about 100 years ago, not 100, maybe about 40, what was it, about seven, in the 20s and 30s and 40s. He talked about it in his great book, Reminiscence of a Stock Operator, if you haven't read it. And then he's got one, too, that he offered himself, uh, which I strongly, you can get on Amazon, just type in his name on Amazon, you'll get the book. But um, I strongly recommend everybody read it. And he's got a great story, Jesse Livermore. And he noticed what was going on in the market at a very young age. You know, he, was, he left home at a very young age, and he just was a whiz kid with numbers. And he, uh, interestingly enough, had a way of noticing trends develop in the market before computers, before anyone made it mainstream, what was popular, it was cool, or whatever the case was. But he had a, a really good system that he was able to follow. And whenever he deviated from his rules, that he just observations he had on the market, he did extremely poor, poorly. He would just lose his money. When he went back and followed his rules, he'd do very well. His hardest time, hardest problem was just following his rules. The book is called How to Trade in Stocks, written by Jesse Livermore. It's a great book as well. The Reminiscence of a Stock Operator was a fictional book, supposedly about him and about his life, but the book he actually authored was How to Trade in Stocks. Both are very, very good reads. If you haven't read them, strongly recommend them. Now, why am I bringing up Livermore? Simply because he tested the market. This was almost 100 years ago. He would go in there 80, 90 years ago, test the market. Now, why is that relevant today, Adam, you might ask? The reason is that markets, sure, the symbols, the tickers change, the actors, the stocks change, but the underlying human nature never changes, right? You go back several hundred years, we had bubbles. You go forward several thousand years, you have bubbles in markets, asset prices go up, asset prices go down, based on what? What's the one constant? Human nature never changes. So he would go in and he'd test the market to see if it was bullish or bearish by going long or short, depending on his notion, how he read the tape. And the tape is just a fancy word of reading charts or looking at the market. And then he would say, okay, if it's bullish news, the market will go down. Well, that's bearish. Or vice versa. Bearish news, market goes up. Guess what? It's bullish. And then he would align himself, and this is the critical part of the equation that most people have a hard time doing. He would align himself with what is actually happening. Not what he thinks is going to happen, but what's actually happening when he would do well and traded well. Of course, he lost several fortunes, but that's when he deviated from his plan. So whenever you find an urge or an itch to fight the market or this can't believe this happens or whatever the case, it happens to everybody, it's normal, it's human nature. Resist it and just align yourself with what is actually happening. I can't believe it can go any higher. I can't believe it can go much lower. Those kind of questions or comments that you bring up in your mind's eye are not helpful. What's happening right now? How do I get aligned with what's actually happening? Up next, we've got a lot more to cover. I'm Adam Sarhan. I want to thank you very much for being here. This is the one and only Investor's Edge. You're listening to America is talking. Investor's Edge. You gotta be pleased with that. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. With Gary Coltbaum. Comes highly recommended. You're gonna feel better if you talk to him. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Kaltbaum. In case you just joined us, we spent the first part of the show going over the market wrap with the weekend review. We spoke about, wind, I guess, tailwinds is a good way of wording it, or trading windows, depending on how you want to call the uh, specific action or what terminology you want to use. But Warren Buffett's annual letter just came out a few weeks ago. It's a great read if you want to read it. You can Google it and get it off the internet for free. And he talks about the great American tailwind, which has been the biggest beneficiary to his success over the last 77 years as he's been trading, or investing rather. And his whole thing is a little bit different than most people, hence his massive, massive, massive success as being the best investor in the history of the world. And he just looks at things differently. But he attributes his success to the great American tailwind, which just means the explosive growth over the last 77 years. And he goes 77 years before that, even you know, just as strong, if not stronger growth, starting from a nation from almost zero and having the massive explosive growth, becoming one of the wealthiest nation in the history of the world. So then he goes extrapolates another 77 years going forward, and it says the great American tailwind's alive and well. And... I'm taking that tailwind terminology and applying it to markets. And then we spoke about Boeing and the negative news there and the fact that if this is one-off, 
then there's could be opportunity down the road. And of course, there still remains a lot of question marks. And by no way, way, shape or form am I recommending anything, but it's something where we've seen this before. You get these big companies, they fall out of favor, they get beat up over negative headlines that are short in duration. It's not a material change in this company. We saw that with the BP oil spill with you know several others. As long as it's not a material thing that will cripple the company, these big sell-offs have proven in hindsight to be beneficial. A few other things in the news. Uh, President Trump rejected a bill that could block his border emergency uh, for, his first v- for his first veto. Okay, we know that with the wall. Uh, the end of the day today, the Dow ended up 122 points. Just as a quick review, because I did not do the day, day in review, I did more of a week in review earlier. So I'll just do that, and then I'll talk about some sectors. So for the day, uh, let's see here, the Dow ended up, let this thing load. It's not loading. Okay, so the Dow was up 122 points. Let's see where it closed. That's not loaded. There it is. Oh, no, sorry. 137 points. Let's see what's happening here. My data source is not good. There it is. 137 points. The close at 25,847. The S&P closed up just under 14 points, 28,22. The Nasdaq was up 57 points to 76,88. And the Russell 2000 was up uh, just under three points to 15,52. And the VIX was down another 4%, closed at 12,93. So for the day and week, I mean, it was up day, up week, and the fact that the support held was a very good thing. And now let's um, just keep in mind we're in that bullish tailwind, right? So for the week, the S&P closed at 28.22, which is above that 28.15, 28.16 level that had been prior resistance going back to November. The next level of resistance to watch would be the 2018 highs. Now let's do some movers of the day. Let's see some movers. Let's see what jumps out at me here. We've got some – well, okay, let's go through a few of these here. On the downside, we spoke about Boeing. Boeing, interestingly enough, that software update news helped the stock. So Boeing ended up closing up today about 5.5 points or about a percent and a half, and it closed at 378.89. See a few other ones. Alta, uh, ticker, Alta Beauty is the company, ticker symbol ULTA, gapped up about 8%, a little over 8%, $25.70, closed at 338.41. I believe that was on earnings. Avago, which is Broadcom, or formerly Avago, now the company's name is Broadcom, ticker symbol is AVGO, also gapped up about 8%, closed higher, $22.03 to 290.29. Semiconductors in general, which Gary's talked about, has had a very good day. Uh, closing the upper half of the range, and it's above this near-term area of resistance, it's acting well. I mean, just that simple. All these semiconductor stocks are acting well because the SMH, which is the ETF that tracks the semis, are uh, it's moving higher, and that's good for the market. And Gary spoke about that at length. So the fact that the semiconductor stocks are moving up is a net positive for the market, and that reinforces that bullish tailwind that we spoke about. See so a few other movers on the upside we can talk about. Uh, AutoZone's up almost 10 bucks, closed at 959.03. That's up in the trees, extended now. You have uh, Biogen was up about eight bucks to 329. Have a nice little downward trend line forming there. Um, what else do I want to cover? Regeneron Pharmaceuticals was up about seven bucks to 414.47. Also off the 50-day, you've got this uh, IPO ticker symbol. Well, the company's called Shockwave Medical, breaking out of an IPO base ticker symbol SWAV, up about 26% today, up eight dollars to 38 dollars and 10 cents. It's an IPO, it's short history. It's only trading for a few days, but it's a big move today. And it's uh, something that showed up on my radar that I wanted to share with you. A few other ones on the upside, another semiconductor, Lamb Research Corp, ticker symbol LRCX, was up $5.76. Good volume there, about three and a quarter percent. Let's see, uh, Lending Tree, ticker symbol TREE, stock was up $5.63, closed at three forty sixty-eight. Let's see what else we have here. Uh, Boeing, we spoke about that, up a little bit. And then, let's see, what else do I want to share with you? That's good for the up. The stock's on the up today, on the upside. On the downside, we've got one of the 
uh, extremely volatile stock throughout the years, ticker symbol RH, Restoration Hardware. The stock was down $3.50, down 2.5%. Hasn't really gone anywhere. You had a big gap up back in June of last year, but it's been range-bound to negative since. And this stock historically has had big gaps and big gaps up and down on both sides due to um, – just it just happens to be a very volatile stock. But that stock was down. have another one. Golden Entertainment was down about 20%, ticker symbol GDEN. Uh, that's a thinner traded or thinly traded stock. Uh, Shopify was down about a percent and a half today. Closed down $3.34 to $204.89. That is a very extended stock. 50-day moving average is way below there, so due to pullback. Chipotle Mexican Grill, ticker symbol CMG, another very extended stock, uh, down $3.29 or about half a percent. A few other ones while time lies. Signacorp, we've got down uh, $3.15 or about 1.86%, closed at 166.46. Palo Alto Networks down about three bucks or a percent and a half to uh, 239.68. And that's a little extended too. Had a very good run over the last few weeks, if not months, and now it's pulling back. What else did I want to cover? I guess uh, ticker symbol, uh, I guess we don't have that one that's thinner traded stock. And Children's Place, PLCE. If you want to see a broken stock or you want to see a stock with poor relative strength, people always ask, oh, well, Adam, you know, I like to look for leading stocks, and I've got the Find Leading Stocks uh, newsletter that I put out. And how do you find a broken stock or how do you define a leading stock? So for me, leadership is just stocks that are acting well and they're outperforming. And just That's it. That's simple. They're outperforming their peers. They're outperforming the market. They're, out, they're just acting strong. And the way to find leadership is to look at stocks that are acting strong, that are up big for the year, up big for the month, trading near 52-week highs, all-time highs, dot, dot, dot. Broken stocks are stocks that are lagging, not acting well. PLCE would be a good example. So if you want to compare that to Shopify, for example, look at SHOP on a daily chart going back one year and look at PLCE. And clearly you can see the big difference. So when you train your mind's eye into finding leaders and laggards, you ask yourself, well, we're in a bullish tailwind. We know we're in an uptrend. How come this stock isn't acting well? And if it's not acting well now, what's going to happen the next downtrend or the bearish tailwind that sets in? And that's why paying attention to leaders and laggards, especially separating everything, is really important for isolating strength and isolating weakness, You know, doing more of what's working, less of what's not. And when you focus on leadership and you f- just focus like a hawk on things that are working, the trend is in your favor. It's much easier to make money than trying to catch falling knives because you never know how low it's going to go. You never know how low it's going to go. And the same on the upside. You never know how, how high it's going to go. Right? One of the Isaac's laws of, of, uh, of nature, physics. Object emotions may continue emotion. Anyway, up next, we'll do some sectors, some individual stocks, and a whole lot more. I'm Adam Sarhan, and this is the one and only Investor's Edge. You're listening to... What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? One, two, ready, go. Investor's Edge with Gary Kolbaugh. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. In case you're just joining us, I spent the first part of the show going over the major indices. We spoke about the fact that we're in a bullish tailwind for the market. We spoke about the fact of how to read between the lines when you see news and the market doesn't go down, or you see news where it's exaggerated and the market sells deep what to do. And by the way, if you missed any part of today's show, or any show for that matter, you can go to GaryK.com, and the show will be published usually after 8 p.m. Eastern or the next day. And you can pause it, rewind it, fast forward, and listen on demand to every show that Gary puts out. And then after that, we spoke about some sectors. Sorry, spoke movers of the day. We spoke about some stocks that are moving up and down. And now I want to speak about some sectors. So briefly touching the semiconductor stocks, SMH is a symbol there. Very important and very bullish for the market to see it break out and act well. That's a good thing. The next level of resistance you want to see a break above for the SMH would be September. Well, I'll go back to August high of 109. And then you can go back even further to June's high of 112. And if it can do that, that would be very, very good for the market and for the semiconductor stocks. Right now it's around 106. So just keep those you know, lines in the sand, so to speak, in your mind's eye. The next important sector to watch would be the financials. Ticker symbol is XLF there. And that's been range-bound over the last few months. 
between the 200-day moving average, which has kind of been resistance, and the 50-day moving average, which has served as support. And if you look at some of these financials, you have some pretty good setups going on under the surface. You can take a look at, you know, just go through the big banks. I mean, Goldman Sachs, ticker symbol GS, nice, quiet, you want to call it a handle, you can call it a handle, a sideways consolidation, a flat base, a rec, whatever you want to call it. I'm not here to play semantics or, you know, poke, uh, spend too much time of the letter of the rules. It's, to me, it's more of the spirit of the law or the rule, the spirit of the rule, if you will. You know, trading for me is a lot more of an art than an exact science. But I know that some people like to get caught up in the minutiae, but for me, it's just step back and is this a bullish consolidation after an uptrend? Yes. Okay, well, a lot of these stocks, these big financials are setting up nice. One or two updates, especially on volume, would bode well. Wells Fargo, same thing. Ticker symbol WFC. JP Morgan, same thing. JPM. And the list goes on and on. So just keep that in mind as you as you think about the market. We had the semis moving sideways. They broke out today. The financials, the XLF, another important group moving sideways. And if they can break out, that would bode well for the market as well. 2663 is where it is now, the XLF. You want to see it really break above 2694, 27 in that range. And if it can do that, that would be very, very, uh, it would be a good sign, especially if it closes above there and continues to rally. I guess for the last few minutes, I want to shift gears and just speak about a trader's mindset for a second. Because a big thing that a lot of people overlook or just dismiss is the mental capital. You know, capital comes in two forms, like they say. There's physical capital, which is the money you have in the bank or in your portfolio or your broker's account. And then there's the mental capital. And remember, there's nothing stopping you from changing your state or changing the mental capital or your outlook or what you do or how you view markets, but yourself. And one of the things that really opened up my world when I started, remember, I started from nothing, I'm self-taught dot, 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 was understanding and being aware of my mental state of mind while I'm trading. So just to keep it real simple, there's two states. We all have positive states and negative states. Under there, there's several. You can be happy. You can be elated. You can be excited, you know, sad. There's lots of different, there's a spectrum on each one, but let's just keep it very simple for the purposes of this brief explanation. And by the way, I give coaching sessions. If anybody's interested, you can email me at adamsarhan.com or you can go to chartyourtrade.com or get in touch with me on 50 Park. There's lots of ways to get a hold of me. And I work with people one-on-one with these sessions and we just dive in deep and we say, okay, what state are you in? And most people are in a negative state when they're trading and they're inconsistent and they're not following their rules. We spoke about Livermore. The guy made and lost a fortune three different times. And today's dollars was close to $100 million trading. Imagine if you made $100 million trading stocks, not investing like Buffett for 77 years and sitting through massive bear markets and hoping everything works out. No, I mean actively trading. That's what Livermore did, actively trading. And today's dollars was close to $100 million. He made it and lost it, fortunes, not $100 million every time, but today's dollars thereabouts, several times along his life. But at the end of his life, he couldn't take it. He ended up shooting himself. Positive state or negative state? Clearly negative state. While he was trading and while he was making his money, was he in a positive state or negative state? I don't know him. Obviously, I wasn't alive back then. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, the guy was in a positive state. Just like any athlete. This is a performance business, ladies and gentlemen. You get paid very, very well if you perform. An actor, an athlete, a trader, investor, and the list goes on and on. When you're in a performance business where your livelihood depends on how you perform, if you perform lousy, you don't really make money. If you perform exceptionally well, you get paid and you become an A-list celebrity. You become an A-list athlete or an A-list investor. And it's all accessible to all of us. We have it inside of us. So one of the big keys to taking away for the brief time we have here is to be aware of your state. And when you find yourself in a negative state because of trading, change it. It's that simple. You can change your state by what you're focusing on. I'll give you a brief example. My daughter was six. She didn't want to take her medicine. She got sick. She didn't want to take her medicine. So any six-year-old, doesn't matter. She's crying and she's throwing a fit and she's making a big, big, big stink about this medicine. And she's not taking the medicine. It's just Tylenol. What happens? I leave, change the environment, have her walk around. We actually run around a little bit, play, get in a playful state. She's happy. Then we go back to it and say, you can do it. Find something that you like. She takes a little yogurt, takes the medicine, yogurt, medicine, yogurt, kills the taste. She's fine. Totally fine. The next day, she's taking it again. I can do it. I can do it. I told her, say, I can do it. I can do it. She's like, I can do it. I'm like, honey, at this point, just say, I did it because you already did it. She's like, I did it. And she downs it in one gulp and doesn't even think twice about it. Why? Her state changed. 
that simple. And you can do the same thing. Yep, that's all the time we have for today. It's been a pleasure as always. I want to thank you very much for being here. Have a very, very good weekend, everybody. And Gary will be back on Monday. Good night, all. This clean edit of Investor's Edge created by Stu Lander. Follow me at twitter.com slash s-t-o-o-l-a-n-d-e-r.